We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to the Against the Grain podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Perloff. Our normal producer, Mario Miranda, is out today. So my good friend Marvin Prince is sitting in. Now, Marvin, you and I spend copious hours talking NBA. Are you ready to make the adjustment to the National Football League? Hut, hut. You know what? I'm here. I'm ready to make the transition. Now, I seem to recall your team, the San Francisco 49ers, how they holding up? Well, how's the start of the season? You feeling good? I, I think there were some injuries. You know what? They were just a couple of injuries, minor players that aren't that important. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> This Bosa guy, I don't know what's going on in MetLife Stadium, but I feel even worse because they have to play the Giants yeah, know, at MetLife this Sunday. So I don't feel good about it at all. Just from an injury standpoint, the Jets, they're really not an NFL team, so we really don't count them. We just played. The Giants know. are no better. So Raheem Mostert runs for an 80-yard touchdown on the first play. And I was saying, oh, I should have picked him in fantasy. And I'm like, oh, the Niners are going back to the Super Bowl. Then it all fell apart. But – Everyone's counting them out of the NFC West because they lost that game to the Cardinals. They're still talented. They still have Kyle Shanahan. I wouldn't count them out. It is That is a rough division. That's the thing. To me, it's one of those divisions where somebody has a really good season and yeah. they can go to the Super Bowl and they finish 9-7 and seven because they just beat each other up. Or 10-6 and six where yeah. if they were in the NFC East, they'd be 13-3. Uh, and three. They would roll. Like any any of those four teams yep. would dominate. Sorry, Cowboys fans. Yeah. They would dominate the NFC East. Oh, no doubt. That brings me to the against the grain three takes, which we're calling this week. Hey, everybody chill out on. Are you, Marvin, you did this at ESPN. What's a good segment name? Like you used to work with Golick Jr. and my friend Robin Lumberg. What Everybody chill out is not good enough. Like take it or leave it. Give me something spicy for this. What do you got? Man, I kind of like take it or leave it. I do like, oh, I wish we had like the sound for Aaron Rodgers spelling relax. Not the way you spelt relax, but. Okay, this is the R-E-L-A-X segment. Three teams that need to relax. Now, the first one is the Philadelphia Eagles, who their fan base will never relax. You have to realize, going after the starting quarterback is a tradition in Philadelphia that is right there with cheesesteaks and soft pretzels. Yes, Marvin? Is it a tradition like none other? It is a tradition like none other. If, as long as we're dwelling in cliches, I'm going to, in take it or leave that, leave that expression. So every, We've always killed the starting quarterback. Carson Wentz, the dude, helps them win a Super Bowl. I know he didn't play in the Super Bowl. He miraculously leads them in the playoffs last year, beats the Cowboys in a key Week 16 game, takes tons of hits, stays in the pocket, comes out this year, things are a bit wonky. He obviously is uncomfortable. Uh, he's not running forward like he did before all the injuries. So you, no one's going to give him a break. No one's going to give Doug Peterson a break. The dude won a Super Bowl, and they are, so many people are ready to fire him. It's unbelievable. Everyone's like, oh, Frank Reich was the real genius era. John DiFilippo. Okay, even if that's true, Doug Peterson gets more rope to me. I feel like a lot of fan bases want to fire coaches too quickly. And come on, Jalen Hurts coming out of Oklahoma with no preseason – there was an article in Inquirer saying that he's looming. Maybe he is. He got on the field on Sunday. But going to jail and hurts. Am I crazy? Am I missing something here? Marvin, am I being too cautious here? 
No, you got to think about the city and the fan base that you're talking about. Yeah. Look, we're nuts. You get no argument from me. But like how many years or the question rather is how many years does the Super Bowl winning coach have? Like how much rope do you give him after he wins the Super Bowl? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I, I remember, you know, off the top of my head, like John Gruden didn't get that much rope in Tampa Bay. There's a lot of coaches that don't get a lot of rope. But this is different. This is Philly. We were like the Chicago, you know, the Chicago Cubs finally broke that curse and they fired Joe Madden. So I don't know. You know, it's a good question. But Doug Peterson's clearly a quality coach. He comes from that Andy Reid tree. Obviously, a lot of those coaches have turned out well. Eric Bieniemy, I think, will be a great head coach too down the road. So I think Doug Peterson's fine. I think Carson Wentz is fine. It's going to be, if everyone's hurt, it's going to be a rough year. There's just no doubt about it. You can't have offensive line injuries and win in the NFL. You can't lose a guy like Lane Johnson for a game and win. And if they had a Miles Sanders who played, we saw against the Rams in week one, they would have won that game too. So injuries is a big factor here. Everyone's got to relax. R-E-L-A-X. I forgot that was the name of the segment. Number two, Drew Brees. So they lose to the Raiders at Las Vegas. And you know how hard it is to go into Las Vegas. <laughs> By the way, I was wondering, watching the Saints defense just crumble, they were so tired. I was thinking, did they sneak out to a club? Do you think it's possible? I know there's strict quarantine rules, but that's going to be the new South Beach. What do you think? You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. My thing was going to be, is it going to be like, uh, like playing the Miami Heat on a Sunday afternoon, the ABC game at 1 p.m. Oh, that's a loss. That's a and New England a, Patriots loss. It's a loss, like seriously. Like It's ugly too. Same thing. The Patriots dominated for the past 20 years in the AFC East, yeah. except for that trip down to yeah. Miami in December, and it just goes all downhill. I think you might have a real good point because Vegas – even you, in the quarantine. Yeah. Well, I think they were quarantining. I don't think they were really out. By the way, do you have any do you have a lot of Vegas partying experience? I'm you know, I'm a little older and I shut down that part of my life a little while ago. I got into some trouble in Vegas. No, I went to Vegas on a family trip when I was seventeen. <laughs> Wondering what's all the hubbub about. I was so close, but yet so far. That is so sad. That is like the saddest thing I've ever heard. But okay, the breeze panic. They looked really out of sync in the second half. But I think the Raiders' offense took the Saints off the field. There was no rhythm. Michael Thomas wasn't there. I would be really wary about counting out that offense. I know, just listen, Drew Brees' arm was never that great. So I think he recovers. That's my second R-E-L-A-X. My third is Houston Texans. Did you watch any of the Ravens-Texans game? It looked like varsity versus JV for a lot of it. At the end of the game, there was a moment where Deshaun Watson sort of, he fought them back into it a little bit, standing on the sideline, and there's an offensive lineman talking in his ear, and I just see him nodding with a look like, I got this. Now, that sounds crazy because the game wasn't that close. I know the Texans, and I know that they are universally, by some sort of weird karma, slated to play the early Saturday playoff game for the rest of time. So they added a seventh playoff spot, and you know they're 0-2, but look who they, they lost at Kansas City. To Baltimore, who looks like the best team in the NFL, even better than Kansas City. They go to at Pittsburgh, easily, who, by the way, has not looked that dominant for Tuno. Say they go to 0-3 there. I'm still not counting them out because the schedule obviously gets easier. They host Minnesota, who struggled. They host Jacksonville, who's Jacksonville. Go to Tennessee. That's a tough one, but not impossible. Host Green Bay. I don't know. You you don't know what the Packers are going to do on the road. At Jacksonville, at Cleveland. New England at home. Yeah, the Lions on here. There's gonna, the Texans 
are going to find a way to get to nine or 10 wins and get into the playoffs because that's what Bill O'Brien does. He's just good enough. Actually, Deshaun Watson's just good enough to keep Bill O'Brien employed. They're going to find a way. Any disagreement here, Marvin? No, you get no disagreement from me. As long as they have Deshaun Watson, they're going to do well in spite of Bill Bradley. Bill Bradley. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. I think Bill Bradley might be a better GM and head coach. Bill Bradley, Bill O'Brien. The, the former Nick, the former uh, politician. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's the new segment, R-E-L-A-X. I don't, I don't know if it makes it back, Marvin. I, I think that might be a one and done. And by the way, if Carson Wentz continues to struggle, Drew Brees has a weak arm, and the Texans go two and eight, then uh, you can give me a hard time about this. <laughs> but I don't think any of that's going to happen. All right, our next guest is a fine reporter for the NFL Network. He, like me, is a Philadelphia native. Uh, his dad was in the Philadelphia media. was very aware of him, very passionate Philadelphia sports fan growing up. I think he's sort of gotten off that bandwagon a little bit. But he has had a very interesting month. He was in bed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all preseason and has been down there for the first two games. Uh, so please help us welcome James. <laughs> All right, James, before we dive into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now, like me, you are a Philadelphia native. Are you right. pro or con Wawa? And based on your vlog, I think you're a big fan. I'm a massive Wawa guy. Now, I have some issues. The Wawa that we grew up with is like the Wawa that kind of looks like a little shack. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? No gas station, no anything attached to it, using a very particular bread. Of course. Um, using Amoroso. And so down in Florida, it's the big, you know, deal with all the gas station in front of it. It's like beautiful looking. <laughs> and uh, the bread's not really the same. But I am still a massive Wawa person. Like my routine in life was like American Legion, mm. do BP, run to Wawa before the game. Everybody gets like a half hour break. You go to Wawa, get a Wawa iced tea and sunflower seeds and stuff. And then you're back, you're back on the field for, for your high school Legion game. I take friends to Wawa. They're always amazed by the rack of tasty cakes, the dessert, mm -hmm. which is the best. Now I've never yep. seen, is that a thing anywhere else? Wawa's with gas stations? That would freak me out. Yeah. I don't dig it. I, yeah. It kind of freaks me out too. Cause I like the little like in and out and people yeah. don't understand when I tell them like, no, like Wawa getting your coffee in the morning is like a, a the thing. Yeah. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, all of Philadelphia goes to Wawa for their coffee in the morning and they don't, they don't understand how it, how it works. But the whole touchscreen things, yeah. it's a whole new world. Have you ever been to Bucky's in Texas? Yes. I lived in Houston for two years Yeah, and Bucky's is like, that's like a, I don't know. It's like a souped up classier truck stop. Right. Yeah. And it's got like what I feel it has a beef jerky bar, like a deli section with different. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Bucky's. Uh, Are you, you a jerky guy? I'm a big jerky guy. I'll go turkey. Okay. I'll go salmon. I don't care. What about you? Yeah, I like, I'm a big jerky guy. That used to be a regular thing when I would come back to the Eagles mm. and Fletcher Cox would give me different jerky for yeah. things that he had killed himself. <laughs> um, and so he, he's a massive hunter. And since I live in Colorado, he likes asking me about, you know, the hunting scene in Colorado. But he used to give me jerky from different from different things he had killed. I'm a jerky guy for sure. That's why Bucky's did hit, you know, did hit me pretty good when I had to travel around around Texas. See, I don't want homemade jerky. We get homemade jerky sent to the Dan Patrick Show studios all the time. But you can't say no to Fletcher Cox. How do you say no, no. to Fletcher Cox? Anything he wants. Uh, before we get into football, again, Mike Sealski, Philadelphia Inquirer, my buddy, mm -hmm. anti-Wawa. What's his deal? Why is What's he his hate? reasoning? What is his? What are his? I don't know. Cons that he's telling you. It's just a contrarian take. It's just a Philadelphia. You know how Philadelphia is, and 
Yeah. You know, okay. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. I've been yelling about the Eagles all week, okay? Okay. They hate Carson Wentz. The Inquirer is talking about Jalen Hurts coming in. If you're not from Philadelphia, you don't understand we always hate the quarterback. You grew up there. 100%. As it, yep. it doesn't matter. Two games in, a guy who led them to a Super Bowl season, even though he wasn't in the Super Bowl, it is unbelievable. I feel like I'm watching history repeat itself. Ron Jaworski getting sat for Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham getting sat for Bobby Brister. Donovan McNabb, Kevin Cobb. Uh, you go on. It doesn't matter. It's way too soon to kill Carson Wentz, in my opinion. It's way too soon. And it may be my, I, I've become like more normal since I've left Philadelphia and like <laughs> lived other places, yeah. and I've become more level-headed. But the number of text messages I've received oh. from buddies from high school that are like, I, I'm like, so what do you think? And they're like, oh, sports? No, I don't care about sports anymore. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, done, I'm done with all sports. Like after the Sixers yeah. and after the Flyers, and then you know you throw the way these first two games are going, they're like, oh, no, I don't, I don't do sports anymore. I'm in a book club. And I'm like, okay, all right, you've changed things dramatically. It's way too fast. Yeah. I mean, I think people forget, too, like – they were on the verge of winning that playoff mm-hmm. game if he doesn't get knocked out on that hit by Jadevian Clowney um, with a JV squad of receivers out there. And I think they're already forgetting down the stretch, what were we saying about Carson Wentz down the stretch last year? I can't believe they're doing this yeah. with this group of guys. And you mentioned the 2017 season. It's like, how many players can you say, like, that was an MVP season? Like, he was going to win the MVP if he didn't, if he didn't blow out his knee against the Rams. Um, that was almost a fact. I just think these first two games, I am shocked by. I, I don't understand what's happening. Um, I don't understand Doug Peterson going on WIP and saying that they lacked reps this offseason. And that's yeah. part of the play. I'm like, you have more continuity than most yep. of the teams in football. And there's some teams that do not have any continuity and are playing pretty well. I think that's kind of, you know, that's throwing excuses out there. And I think they need to own up to. They just haven't played well. And the and we can get into it, but the offense has just been out of sync in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. And the defense. Uh, Jim yeah, Schwartz was going on today about how disappointed he is about the defense. I think it's knee, uh, his knee a little bit. Like, at the end of last season, he stood in there and took hits because he needed to. I don't think he wants to do that. You notice on his sacks, he's always running backwards. Like, mm-hmm. in the past, he might have taken off a few more times. I, think he, I don't think he's ever fully recovered. Do you think he's 100% healthy? I, even if you are 100% healthy, right. a lot of these guys, it's still in your head, right? Yeah. You still don't know if the knee's 100% healthy, even if every doctor under the, you know, under the sun is telling you, no, no, the, structurally, it is fine. You are mm. good to go. And guys are still going to protect it. They're still going to you know, play a little bit differently. And that's one of the things we always go into. What I've been hearing is it's, it's mechanics and it's mental. And, and those are kind of two of the things that are yeah. there. When they brought in Rich Scangarillo this offseason, the game plan was – Look at how good we can make you if we roll mm. you out more, more play action. If you avoid X number of hits per game, look at what that'll total at the end of the year. You'll right. be healthier. We'll play a different style that we know you can play. He bought into it, what I was told, and, and in this offseason. But then it feels like now he's going back into some of these bad habits. And he's always been talented enough to kind of overcome some of those bad habits. But, but at the same time, and, and Doug Peterson told me this once, like the, the problem with Carson, and it's with a lot of other guys in this league, is – he thinks every single play, he has to make the world's greatest play, right? Like if right. things break down, he has to find a way to make something out of nothing. And, and the guys that we all know are the greatest of all time, like Manning and, and Brady and stuff, they're all about live another day. I'll fall on this ball or I'll throw it mm-hmm. away and I'll live the next play. This new generation of quarterbacks, uh, you know, all of them are like so talented that rightfully so. Sometimes they make those plays and you go, well, <laughs> 
don't know how many guys could have done that. So, wow, Carson. I remember being in Seattle. Remember when he made that play in Seattle where he was practically almost dragged to the ground, yeah. almost on the ground, and slings it like 50 yards down the sideline. Now Galar catches it. I'm like, who can? who does that? But I think it's a little bit selfish in Wentz's sense to be like, trying to do that on every play the extra hitch in his throw because he wants to go downfield it is like dude just run the offense make the throw let's get the ball down the field and i think that's kind of forgotten a little bit um and he kind of goes back to those habits of just i have unbelievable talent and, and i and i want to save the world on each play <laughs> well when you're patrick mahomes and you do it and it goes 60 yards in the air and lands in Tariq hill's arms then it looks great he could yeah. get away with it but he's I think- the only one he, I think he may be the only. I think one. he has the best balance. I mean, yep. even guys like Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. I live in Colorado. Drew Locke is a guy that even after the shoulder injury against Pittsburgh, told reporters, mm. "I'm not going to change how I play." And now he's hurt his thumb and his shoulder in two almost exact instances, trying to get out of the pocket, tripping, trying to stay on his feet, trying to make something happen. And all these guys have these unbelievable arms that they can do things like that. Mahomes, I feel like, is the only one that still looks like he's in complete control. Right on, like third yeah. and twenty-two in, in that game on Sunday, he's just in perfect control. I oh, know, get exactly twenty-two. Oh, let's move the stick. It's, it's infuriating. Like his decision making—it's—it yeah. is infuriating. I, was, I lived in Kansas City last year, so, so I, was, I watched it firsthand. I know I've bet against the Chiefs sometimes, and it's like, oh, they got him like third and eighteen. There's no way, and then he scrambles and throws it left-handed. Kyler Murray's got some balance. You got to give me—he's yeah, he, he got does. a lot of balance. Uh, that's another good one. Yeah, that's a good point. So you're down here in Tampa Bay, and I want to hear about your quarantine life in a second, but Tom Brady is not Lamar Jackson. He is not Kyler Murray. He is not this trend of new school quarterbacks. Can the, the Tom Brady's, the Drew Breeses of the world, do they have one last shot at glory, or is are we done with pocket quarterbacks? Yeah. Is this your like one shot at glory before you retire this yes. style of – the style of quarterback. I know. Well, yeah. I mean, who's coming up? There's nobody who doesn't run at least. Well, I mean, Justin Herbert was not a runner in college, and he was flying all over the field. He was all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I, the position has changed in a sense. Yeah. And um, I do take – I was in Houston last year towards the end of the year, and I think Deshaun Watson was going against Lamar Jackson. And we were talking to Deshaun. Yeah. And he's kind of the one that was like, I know I'm part of this new group yeah. coming in, but let's pump the brakes. Like, I'm not forgetting about Tom Brady and Drew Brees, mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron can move pretty well, so we, we can, he's a little bit different than those two other guys. He still moves well. Um, and Russ moves. But he's like, let's not push those guys out the door yet because I think they still win a lot of football games, and, and they obviously have, right? right. They're still winning games. Um, I do, in my personal opinion, I feel like Tom Armwise is in a better spot than Drew Brees yes. uh, after watching the first two weeks. Uh, from the people I've talked, Kurt Warner told me, uh, after watching week one, we were both working the Monday night game in Denver. And he said, I, I, I totally think the arm is there. The throws are there. Obviously this is a mental side of things. So to answer your question, I think there is still that style of play because of, but you have to be that next level smart, yes. right? That, yep. that intelligence level that is so good pre-snap that him and Manning and Drew and all those guys have, if you don't have that, I think that style is going away. Because the athletes on the other side of the ball are just too good. So has Brady had enough time to get that familiarity where he can be that smart? Is he going to be Brett Favre with the Jets or Brett Favre in his first year with the Vikings? Brett Favre was at the game on Sunday, by the way. I know. Oh, that? Yeah, uh, you were there live. Uh, trust me, he got on TV. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and, and actually, I, I got a great photo. I tweeted out of him and Arians doing a little fist bump down yeah. the. Uh, I don't think it's social distancing, but a little fist bump. So I guess we're okay after the uh, after the comments during the week. But. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I think um, I think it is going to be a work in progress. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of time. I talked to Mike Evans after the game for my our post game interview for NFL Network, and he's like, "We're you going to be talked down to Mike Evans." Let's be I clear. Did talk, yeah, that yeah, is the, one of the like, funniest physical interviews I've ever seen. <laughs> Explain let's what say happened. That in the literal, let's say that in the literal sense. Like I I will never talk down to Mike Evans. Uh, I respect him too much, but I was literally talking down to him as or talking to the PR department. I'm like, like, if you just bring him to like this spot, I will be standing up in the first row where like the crazy fans get a great seat. <laughs> And I will scream questions to him and we'll have a boom mic all the way to him. And I feel bad because Mike came like extra close because I know him a little bit. He's like, what's up? And he's like, I was like, I think you got to move back a little bit. He's like, oh, and then the sun is like directly in his face the whole time. If you watch the interview, he's like, like closing an eye, like blocking the sun as he answers every question, staring directly up at me. Um, But that's yeah, that's 2020. But he told me. Right now, they are nowhere near where they think they will be in November. Yeah, yeah. And I was there for every practice, and I've watched this be a growing situation. And, and anybody adjust, nobody adjusts better than Tom, right? So I think he's figuring things out each game, and it's going to be hopefully we win some of these early um, that we don't dig ourselves a hole because they think they're going to be really good down the stretch. Yeah, so explain how you quarantine. Because I feel like you're really the only NFL writer that quarantined in an NBA style. Uh, as far as I know, yeah. explain how the decision came about to go down to Tampa Bay and what mm-hmm. life was like down there. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we needed somebody with, with Brady. I, I mean, if obviously he's not there, we're not doing this for a whole lot of players in the league. And we had kind of shut down our travel reporters were kind of going to teams where if you could drive there and drive back in the same day, you mm-hmm. can go to that team. Right. So you can go, you know, visit, come back, everything's still Zoom, but you're, you're there, uh, at least watching some stuff from a distance, and then you can go back. We need to do something with Brady, and they asked me, you know, can you go down for camp? And I was like, oh, okay, I thought it'd be like two weeks, and I'd split it with somebody. And then they were like, no, you have to be there for all of training camp, like just you, and <laughs> not my family or anything. And like, we got an Airbnb, <laughs> a little house, a little two-bedroom, one-bath house, uh, and uh, you have a doctor if anything goes wrong, um, and you'll be tested daily, and... We want you to go to the facility, back to this house, facility, back to this house every day mm-hmm. and, and cover the team. And, you know, as a reporter and as a, you know, a writer and a TV guy, you just like, well, you want to go where the best story is. Right. So like you're kind of, you know, your heart as a journalist is like, well, hell yeah, let's do this. Like this is this is Brady and, you know, in Tampa, this is bizarre. Let's go cover it. Um, but it was wild. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like it was bizarre. Um, just going back to a little house full of antique furniture every single day. You had an old um, house? Yeah. Well, I, it looked like one of those snowbirds, right? Like they yeah. go up north for the winter and then they rent their house out in the summertime yeah. down there because it's too hot. But then this lady who owned the place is coming back. Um, and she had cats, I guarantee it, because she had little cat uh, doggy doors in the doors. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was really, it was really kind of old, old, but so you're not um, in a hotel with like Giannis down at the breakfast bar. You're alone in like, I'm a hundred percent alone. They didn't want me in a hotel. Yeah. They didn't want me in a hotel with all people around and stuff, which I'm a little bummed. Dude, that's like, that's like 30 days of Marriott points that I, Oh, I know that's, that would have been huge. You would risk it. Like you'd be weighing coronavirus Marriott points. And I know how (laughs) you you people work. You would be like, ah, so you're down there. Now, the okay. the road, man. We love the road. Yeah, so yeah. I imagine this like I imagine it like the NBA bubble. Like James is down there, he's gonna have a cocktail, four o'clock wine with Tom Brady. You're gonna become best friends. Did any of that happen? Yeah, I was living in the East Wing, yeah, of Jeter's house. I was in the East Wing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Know I was there. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever get to you know, did you get a sense of where he is personally right now or just follow him and I mean, were yeah. you how close were you to the team? 
I mean, you, th- you're, you're at a distance just because there's no interaction. Oh, right? there's it, none there's, at all? There's none. I mean, you can, you're on the sideline. And I was tier two, so I was tested every single day. Yeah. And there's probably about eight of us in tier two. Um, and you get tested in the same facility. I thought the NFL did a brilliant job yeah. of just being a part of it every day right. and seeing what it was like. It, it was so easy. You were in and out of the test in two seconds. And your results came back within you know, 14 hours. And, and you just showed them that you were good. And So you're on the sideline right next to them. You're hearing everything that's going on at practice. I mean, you can you can observe practice brilliantly, but then you go back after the practice and there's no getting guys going off the field like any other year. You know what I mean? It's it's the handful of zooms that they give you and phone calls that you can get on the side side with guys. And and they're also living a life of just being at the facility, Mm. going home, being at the facility, going home. And, And so the idea of just kind of like getting to be a part of their life, I guess, was there because they're not really doing anything. I mean, they're there as long as they can probably keep them there, right? To just make sure everything goes as planned. And I thought the league's done a decent job, but um, yeah, I was just just being right there, listening to the conversations that Brady and Byron Leftwich are having in between mm. reps is kind of the close inside thing that, that you got out of it. All right. You know, it's just us, James. And Charlie Uke is not listening. None of our friends. <laughs> at, you you got basically a dinner with Giselle and Tom every night, didn't you? Admit yeah. it. Mm-hmm. The kids call me Uncle James. Yeah. I think okay, good, yeah. good. We're, we're set on that. Okay, exactly. now an interesting thing about you too is you're an Ohio State grad. Because I, you know, I didn't have a ton of friends from the Philadelphia area who went to Ohio State. There was a good chunk, but more went to Penn State, obviously. So what about Pitt? I had a ton of yeah, Pitt from my school. A fair amount of Pitt. A lot of the uh, sort of DC area schools. A lot went down to Maryland as well. Okay. Now you are uh, the nicer, softer version of the NFL reporter. Ohio State grad. You are not Albert Breer, which I know you're going to say. Yes. <laughs> so it is amazing. Like in our little world, like basically Ohio State scores a touchdown and you immediately go to Twitter to see what Breer is saying. Oh, it's, and, you know, and the, the other version is our friend Rich Eisen in Michigan, who is the the Michigan mm-hmm. guy. So where do you like stand in this? We had Let me just tell you a quick quote. We had Urban Meyer on the Dan Patrick show today. And Dan asked him, he goes, uh, did you ever worry about running up the score too much on Michigan? And he goes, I know this is going to create a headline, but uh, no, no. <laughs> so you know, it's it's still hot, even on Twitter. It is still hot. So, do you like to brag or like, are you keep it low key? Yeah. Well, this is where I stand. First off, Bert and I will send probably two hundred text messages <laughs> within an Ohio State game to each other. <laughs> I mean, it is yeah. like almost play by play, you know, back and forth to each other uh, during a game. Um, I think I'm a little bit different because I obviously didn't grow up in Ohio. So I, I don't have the massive hatred for for Michigan mm-hmm. that a lot of people. My actual hatred is more towards Penn State. I, I don't care for Penn State very much. I don't like how they've tried to weasel in and like create a rivalry with Ohio State when I'm like, hey, listen, we already have the best rivalry in sports. We don't need like a third wheel back off you know that's kind of like where my stance is a little bit um in that and because i also like and this might be a lot but i i was at the game when you know bo schembechler passes away the night before uh the ohio state michigan game and the game's gonna be played in columbus and the amount of respect between both schools pre-game between fans tailgating for all of eternity when you know we start friday night and pretty much go throughout the night at buckeye donuts and then keep going saturday like the the respect between the two universities in an instance like that to me makes me love the rivalry even more it's not as much of a hatred deal so Mm -hmm. that's where i stand but i also working and covering the sec for two years in atlanta when Mm -hmm. i lived there i had to defend the big 10 
to everyone. And this is my biggest pet peeve. If to anybody who hears this, that's in the South when they're like, Hey, what's your school? And I'm like, Ohio state, we destroy you. And I'm like, what's your school? Tennessee. Like, what? <laughs> I go, what do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean? We he goes, Oh, yeah. SEC, bro. SEC destroys you guys. Yeah. I'm like, you can't root for the whole conference when you root for the national league. Like you can't like, mm. you can't like your school be Kentucky and then tell me you dominate Ohio yeah. state because Bama's had some success. Yeah, so one time he comes up to me and he goes, I got to show you this video. I thought it was like a newborn. He was so excited. Because he had just had a kid, too. He's like, look at this. He's a freshman. His name is Chase Young. He's going to be the next Bosa. He said it as if he had seen I thought he just had a newborn. So I was all excited. He just made me sit there and watch 15 minutes of Chase Young as a freshman on his phone. He's like that. Hey. Yeah. I mean, that's the way he is. But listen, we're also yeah. like 10% Greek at Ohio State. And Bert was a, was a, was a Greek fraternity guy. So oh, nice. Idol. I don't trust him entirely. What was your process with like the Big Ten coming back? Were you bummed when it went away? Do you think it's the right decision to come back? I have uh, a lot of mixed feelings about the way the NCAA operates and the way uh, this operates. And so I know they a lot plays into it, right? They're, they were one of the first places to say that they were canceling. So if you look at the timetable, it's there was less information when they canceled than there was you know, when they reinstated it and the testing has dramatically changed in terms of daily testing from when they yeah. said that they were going to cancel the season to when they reinstated it. Obviously there was a lot of pressure from fan bases and boosters and political pressure uh, as well. I, I apparently Twitter told me that Donald Trump solved the whole issue with the big 10. So I appreciate that. Um, and so <laughs> I, I just think uh, it, it's hard for me when, you know, students are not getting what they're paying for. Uh, in terms of their academic experience. And then right. these guys are going to go out there and compete and, and, and play. Um, we know economics is a part of everything, but uh, I, I do think they're, they're after, like I mentioned, being part of the, the NFL bubble in a sense and going through the pr testing process and everything, if they can get close to that, I mean, it's, it, 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 I have seen it work. So I, I know that there is the chance of it, of it working. And I know there's plenty of guys that aren't getting to the league, right? That, right. that this is their, their experience. And I, and I totally get it. I was Mr. Athlete, uh, 2001 uh, athlete of the year, upper Marion area high school, no big deal. But, um, yeah, upper Marion, upper, yeah, you're a lower Marion yeah. guy. Yeah, upper Marion. You know, that's like I being, like, I can't believe this has worked so well so yeah. long already. That, that like, uh, that's like being a JV volleyball player at lower Marion, but okay, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, come on. Upper Marion. Lisa Salters. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Wait, what sport, James? I played football, basketball, baseball, and soccer. Baseball is probably my best sport. Did you ever play us in basketball? Uh, no, but I watched you guys play us when okay. Kobe was there, and I was like in seventh grade, I want to say. Oh, my brother was on the team. So, was he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might have seen yeah. him. He might have been – he was a, just – I think he was a year older than Kobe, maybe a couple years. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't even know how we got here. One thing about this Big Ten, I feel like maybe in the back of people's mind, Ohio State's so special this year. I A Big Ten scout told me this is the best Ohio State team in the last six or seven years, which has been nothing but pros and, you know, final yeah. four runs. Are they that loaded? And do you think that might have snuck into their thinking? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, they, yeah. are, they are that loaded. Uh, yeah. They really are. Yeah. And um, I was anticipating this season more than I have a lot of years, yeah. uh, for sure. Mainly because of what I was told – about fields and, and you know what we saw last year and they believe that was the tip of the iceberg for but him. there's so many guys who've gone pro how can they keep can they really be more talented without akuda chase young uh 
the the other cornerback who looked awesome last night. By the way, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, Arnett, yeah. David Arnett. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's the way it works. I mean, it's like look, we didn't know who Chase Young was until Bosa hurt himself yeah. down in Jerry World and, and sat out the season. And then all of a sudden, Nick, Nick you know, Chase, Chase Young goes and just Chase Young goes and destroys uh, Penn State on fourth and short, and we're all like, "Who's this Chase?" And then he's you know the next thing. It's it's a sense of reloading usually, yeah. and they do have that. Um, but particularly it, it was what I wanted to see out of Justin Fields. And th- that was the reason he wanted to, yep. you know, push so hard to come back is because he knew the reps and, and, and the growth that he could take this year would put him in even a better spot, you know, obviously next year's draft. So I, I just, everything I heard about him and what I saw last year, mm-hmm. I was, they, they think it's going to be leaps and bounds. Like they feel like they've just touched the surface with him, which to me is, is kind of scary. You know, to his credit, it seems to me from the outside that he thinks he can jump from two to one, which is what you want your quarterback to think. So here's my quarterback question. You're say, I'm going to pick a random team that plays in New York, okay. named the New York Jets. You have a choice. <laughs> I'm going to give you a coaching quarterback combo. I mean, we're not going to fire anyone on air, but say that they had to start over a quarterback coach. Would you rather have Ryan Day and Justin Fields together or Dabo and Trevor Lawrence together? Now Dabo, Dabo wants this job. Like he knows the guys get paid up there, right? He knows the guys get paid in the NFL. He doesn't like <laughs> when the guys get paid. So I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to make sure he wants the job. But um, no, I, I, I think the world of Trevor Lawrence. I really do. I think that you know he's kind of in that group to where I've had scouts tell me over the years. There's kind of like this, like whatever team uses it. You know, it's a gold star or a five or whatever the ranking is for prospects that like very few quarterbacks have been put in, right? Like an organization will probably tell you if a scout's been there a long time, it's, it's Elway, it's Peyton Manning and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, and it's Andrew Luck. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Right. Yep. He's kind of in that, that group, which yep. is a remarkable group to be a part of. Um, so I think that's unreal, but it kind of, he's mobile and he can move and he can, and he's strong as all hell. Um, but what Urban I had heard say, and I, I I don't think you guys probably talked about this, but because it's now Ryan's been there a while, was one of the reasons he was fine stepping away was because he knew Ryan Day was taking over. And that's how highly he thought yeah. uh, of Ryan Day. So uh, to me, um, I'm going to go with Dabo and, and Trevor Lawrence so I get to keep Ryan Day. Yeah, yeah. At Ohio State for future years to come. Yeah, good luck with that, by the way, because yeah. I think Ryan Day is going to be awesome in the NFL. Yeah. I really do. I'm like, you know, that's another one. Like, that's a Burt Breer special, like six years ago. I don't know how long Ryan oh, Day's yeah. been on the staff, but he's been, I think, uh, half of like half of Burt's interviews are talking about the team and half is selling Ryan Day as the next head coach. Yeah. But <laughs> no, I know he wants him to stay at Ohio State too. But yeah. And by the way, it's not like Fields is coming out of nowhere. Fields is also no. a number one recruit was part of mm-hmm. QB one on Netflix. He's, he's been a superstar for a lot. I heard of him in high school, saw the highlights. So it's a yep. pretty good. And then you got Trey Lance in the mix. Should be interesting. Okay. I'll, I'll leave you on this. Can you see the scenario where Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl? You've been there from the beginning. You could have book publishers just lining up. Do you think it goes full circle and your month in Tampa Bay pays off with the narrative that Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl ring? You know, I, I could say it's definitely – after week one, I was like, this doesn't look right. Um, yeah. And it seemed very discombobulated. And trying to mend two offenses together is difficult and two styles and somewhat difficult. I mean, when Peyton Manning went to Denver, it was, Peyton, what's your system? Let's, let's run that. You know what I mean? That's the way it kind of 
kind of worked more sense. Um, but I will say it is definitely possible because of a couple of reasons. One, the way I've seen Drew Brees play these last two games. Um, two, the way I saw them grow offensively from week one to week two in Tampa. If anybody adjusts quickly and understands what went wrong, it's Tom. Mm-hmm. Three, his arms there. Uh, four, I think the defense is way better than what people are talking about. I mean, the front seven of Vita Vea, Nadamikin Sue, Golston, you know, Shaq Barrett, JPP, like – it, it's a it's a decent defense. It really is, yeah. and, I th- and, and I think Devin White is on the verge of being an absolute superstar in the NFL um, at the middle linebacker spot. So I do think they have other pieces, and they have enough pieces around him in terms of talent. It's just, do they get it all together sooner rather than later? And I do think they have the ability because I I don't think I saw anybody work harder than Brady uh, throughout training camp. Um, he would go up to somebody. Here's a great story before we go. So I was talking to Sean Murphy Bunting on the phone, one of their corners. And he was like, you know, he doesn't just talk to pass catchers after like a rep mm. in camp. He'll, he'll talk to somebody else. He goes, there was a play that we had yesterday. He's telling me it's like mid camp. He's like, where I was coming out of the slot on a blitz. And I was like, they have no idea I'm coming. Like I'm going to get a free <laughs> shot. It's as simple as all of a sudden Brady calls me out and it's like, check, 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 check. He calls me that I'm coming. And I'm picked up and I'm like, what the, like, and after the rep, Brady pulls me aside and goes, Hey, you probably don't know you're doing this, but X in your body language is showing me that you're coming. And you do that every time you're blitzing during oh, camp. Oh my gosh. And he goes, you don't even notice you're doing it. And he goes, dude, I didn't even notice I was doing it until I went back and watched the film. And there's a little tell mm. in my body language. And he's like, and he's doing that for not just, you know, guys he's throwing balls to. It's guys all over the field. So I do think he's changed the culture there. And I think he's changed kind of the mindset. And I think it's only going to be a matter of time as we see this grow week to week and get better and better. Yeah, the uh, flea flicker he threw, by the way, he he wants that one back. That looked bad. He wants it back. Listen, I'll tell you, this is my other really good story that was a daily thing. I don't know if we're, we're going over time here. But, oh, no, no, take your um, time. This is the internet, right? There's no way. Yeah. It's like a digital camera. Um, so uh, he grabbed the ball kind of, you know, yeah. he didn't get a great grip on the ball. That has been a big talking point down in Tampa throughout camp. Tom does not like the ball wet. And he does not like how hot it is. I mean, he likes the heat, but like he'll do his three reps in camp and then come over. They put a giant ice pack on his back between his shoulder pads to kind of cool him down. And Ryan Jensen, the center, has about four towels shoved down his backside to make sure everything is trying to stay as dry as possible. And I'm not going to, I'll say this every single day. I don't know who the staffer that drew the short straw of this was, but it's pull the pants out of Ryan Jensen, flood it with baby powder and then shove it back. Shut the door shut. I mean, this is bad. Like, how do we deal with the sweaty, Sweaty, uh, you know, I don't know if I can say the word, you know, nice little uh, swampy region yeah. of the moisture in the nether region of Ryan Jensen. It's been a, uh, oh it's been a concern. It's, and maybe that's part of the flea flicker situation. Are we getting dangerously close to the deflating football topic, though? I don't want to <laughs> even begin to go there. Well, I mean, like, I mean, every quarterback, I mean, it's, it's because it's, I mean, the heat index and whatnot, and I'm dying on, yeah. and I'm watching on the sideline <laughs> and I don't even know how these guys are doing it, you know, playing like Gronk said, your shoes just feel like you, you were walking through 
you know, a river, like your shoes yeah. are just so falling apart by the end of practice. You're so, you're so sweaty. So that was like, and I, I just, how do we keep everything dry? Yeah. And, and that was the, that happened in the very first conversation, the day mm. after he signed with Ryan Jensen, they talked yeah. about it the day after Brady signed. Oh my God. Uh, so what, which team is getting into the championship first Eagles, Sixers, Phillies. I mean, you should see my phone, by the way, the Phillies, we're recording. The Phillies are about to screw up a doubleheader against the Nationals. I don't even want to talk about mm-hmm. that. The Sixers coaching thread on my phone might be 700 tweets a day, or texts yeah. a day. It's insane. And they're ready to cut Carson Wentz and make Nate Sudfeld the starter on my phone. It, it's, it's an ugly place. Yeah. Well, I mean, you didn't mention – did you say Flyers? Because like, I do think yes. we have goaltending. So we do have a, we do have a goaltender. Now, Love I think the being young, up and, up and down – with his performances, I think he's young. And yeah. I, I do think we have a goaltender. So I, I was, I was, that was like my big thing when I was in my temp Tampa bubble was watching all the, every hockey game I could get my hands on. Yeah. Um, and they, man, they love the lightning in Tampa. I'm not gonna lie. They really are passionate about the lightning. I was surprised by that, but I don't know. I don't know if Embiid and Simmons can coexist. No. I, I don't know no. if it can work. I'm tired of getting out coached though. X's and O's by Brad Stevens on a regular <laughs> basis. Uh, it drives me completely insane. Um, I, the Phillies, if they had even a bad bullpen, yeah. Well, if they, they had, they'd be good. Do you pitch? I mean, you were upper Marion. I pitched. Yeah. I threw. I pitched at the vet. I blew my arm out, but uh, maybe <laughs> I got a couple bullets left. But my dad is seventy years old, and he's doing the PA announcing for the Phillies right now during this season, right? And you know, it is kind of bizarre to say now batting Bryce Harper, and like nobody said a word. <laughs> it's crickets, which is a little bit weird. But right. I'm worried for like his well-being and his health with his age and watching each one of these games. Oh. Fall no, apart in the seventh, eighth, or ninth, you pick your poison. It's my dad's health and the Eagles is a real thing. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our whole family like wants to do an intervention. He's actually gotten better over the years, but I mean, mm-hmm. he talks about yeah. the day of the miracle of the Meadowlands, like historically, like the day he almost died because of the tension. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's been tough. Uh, it's been a tough run. I like Mike D'Antoni, and let me tell you why. Okay, he changed his system from Phoenix to Houston. It, mm-hmm. nobody's going to be able to figure out how to make Ben Simmons effective. Try something bizarre like Mike D'Antoni. I also like yeah. Billy, Billy Donovan would be good, and Tyron Lue might get, get a lot out of them. I like Brett yeah, Brown I, personally, but I'm, I'm good I, with I that. I do, either. too. Yeah. Yeah, I do, too, but we we needed a change because yeah. it is a unique situation yeah. to try to figure out how it works, um, and we need a fresh set of eyes to try to figure out a different plan to see if – I mean, the talent's unbelievable, yeah. but I don't know if it can work. By the way, Jake Tapper, Eagles fan. I went to college with Jake. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a little bit of, as long as we're, like, you're in the Philly media scene, and, and you know, there's a lot going on there. Uh, Philly expats in NFL, there's you, Manish mm-hmm. Mehta, uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Gandhi, me. Mm-hmm. Who is some other big, is there anyone I'm missing? Colleen Wolf, Mike Garofalo. Oh, Colleen Wolf, yes, of course. Yeah. And, and Mike Mark. G's from South Philly, yep. just turned 40 yesterday. Happy birthday, Mikey. Um, I think that might be. Yeah. That's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. I love when you guys try to be objective when Philadelphia topics come up. It's 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 priceless. Yeah. I mean, Colleen has no objectivity. No, and at all it's great. She's, she's a host. Hysterical. She doesn't have to report. Yeah. But I mean, it was, I mean, when her and I her and I hosted the the parade, right? Yeah. Um, the Super Bowl parade. And that was like, I'm like, you went to don't you go to Happer or Horsham? Yeah. I, mean, I went to Upper Marion and we're we're hosting the oh. Eagles parade down Broad Street at the Art Museum. This is like 
me, it, was, it was unbelievable. Me and Kevin Nagandi, who barely know each other, were hugging and crying at the post party with uh, where Cardi B was playing. You know, and uh, <laughs> where it's like, it's like we've dreamed of this moment. I'm like, yeah. He's, and he's like, what's your name again? <laughs> but it doesn't matter. <laughs> that, your name that, again? that was a special time. And it was Man- awesome. Manish Mehta, the controversial Jets reporter, sneaky, crazy Sixers fan. I mean, he's mm-hmm. more in on the Sixers than almost anyone I know, which I appreciate. Yeah, he's a huge Sixers fan. Yeah. Huge. It's all yeah. good. We're taking over the world, you know, one Wawa little at a by time. Little, baby. Uh, little James, by little. Really appreciate your time. Glad you're back sure. home. Uh, yeah, glad you're kindergartner. Kindergarten? Second grade. Second, Second grade. And do you know why I'm home this week in why? Colorado? Where does Brady play on Sunday? Colorado. Denver. There you go. <laughs> so, oh. I'm here because he's coming Sunday. Yeah. So you're going to go back out. So you're going to be with the Bucks every week? Um, I'll, we'll, we'll reevaluate after week four. I think uh, yeah. I got week four there against the Chargers, which I'm now super excited about after watching the Chargers play yes. against uh, KC. Um, so, yeah, I have that game, and then we'll see uh, see where things go. Still, also, the travel I mean, thing is a bit wonky, but we'll see. Did you see Broncos sign Blake Bortles? I mean, that should probably be taking much of your attention soon. I should get over to the facility. When he wins that job, uh, well, no, I don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, Driscoll? Yeah, that would be interesting. All right. I appreciate the time, and we'll talk soon. Bucks keep winning. I'm going to keep bothering you, buddy. See you, man. All right, Marvin, that was just two Philly guys chopping up. And when I say Philly, I mean Philly suburbs in the biggest possible way. We're not, you know, West Philly. This is Lower Marion, Upper Marion. It's not quite the same thing. Do you have a problem with suburban guys claiming they're from a city? You know what? I don't have a problem with it, only because, like, I'm from Connecticut. Right. And so if you say you're from Philly— Kobe Bryant. Lower Marion. Lower Marion. Right. And so, but somebody would say, okay, Philly claims Kobe. Right. I have no problem with it, especially if everybody claims him. Whenever he would go play the Sixers, they would say, Kobe's coming home. It wasn't like Kobe was from Pittsburgh. Like, how far from where you grew up is Philadelphia? People say Philly-Pittsburgh is a rivalry. Philly is way closer to Washington, D.C., Baltimore, New York, and Boston. All those cities are way closer than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is nowhere near Philadelphia. It's like seven hours away. But I, I was just saying, yeah. just as far as, like, he's near Pittsburgh, yeah. like, where he's from, and somebody would say, oh, he's from Philly. No, no. That's a mistake. Right. So if you're from the suburbs, if you're from, like, how far is Lower Marion from? 15 minutes. Not even the slightest problem. Now, I don't know how it is if you're from North Philadelphia. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even Philadelphia is different. North Philadelphia has a much different character than West Philadelphia, South Philadelphia. So you're from Connecticut. Is Connecticut split in two between New York teams and New England teams? Like, where's the line? Yeah, absolutely. So where I grew up, right outside of Hartford, it's tons of Boston. Right. Because you're, you're a little bit closer to Massachusetts. But like where we are in Milford, Connecticut, New York, tons of Yankees, Mets, Jets. Yeah, you know Rangers and all that. So, well, you're you're about the right age. Like you might have seen some faux Patriots fans co- sort of creeping up, guys who like said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to get on this bandwagon." Oh, trust me, the jerseys came out in abundance <laughs> once they started winning. But you always had. Uh, I remember my high school gym teacher was a Patriots season ticket holder, and so like when they started winning, they started they won their first Super Bowl my senior year in high school. And he was over the moon. And for him, man, good for you, because you were going to their old stadium, which was a dump. And 
They started winning Super Bowls, but now it is just everybody's a Patriots fan. I was like, oh, where were you in 1999? Sad. You guys weren't around. No, you missed the whole Ben Coates era. Uh, all right, that was a lot of fun. Marvin, uh, are you, I mean, I don't want to say it, but are you the Justin Herbert to Mario's Tyrod Taylor here? Anthony Lynn's got some real tough decisions to make yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah, so like during the interview, you gave a lot of laughs. You were engaged. Mario is just like I think he's I think he's on Tinder. I don't know what's going on during. I gotta admit though, Mario's single life is pretty entertaining. Like usually, I could get pretty off track there. I don't know if you've ever delved into that area with him. I have, yes. Uh, it's it's not well run. It's like it's like an organization that needs a new management. In my opinion, is that mean? He's not here. I feel terrible saying that. No, like he's like James Dolan. <laughs> I wasn't like, going to go that far. <laughs> I would say like he's the Rockets. Like he has a lot of potential. He can get to the second round of the playoffs, just not necessarily championship material. Oh, you know yet. what? That's better. I I was going to say more of the Sixers, where <laughs> there's some there's some ability there. They yeah. can go to the top. Oh yeah. But I mean, they just fizzle out. Yeah, I mean, Mario's handsome. He's like an Aaron Judge lookalike, mm-hmm. right? That's what he says. That's what he tells me anyway. <laughs> but you're right. There's definitely a. Definitely a mental block. Then again, we're old and married. Is this jealousy there? It's never as good as maybe you remember it. Like, oh, when I was single, like, no. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't all that great. I got to admit, I had game. I had, like, real game. In New York City, you have to understand, I was in New York in the late 90s, 2000s. Like, this, there was, like, seemed like there were three women to every guy, and I was kind of fast-talking, you know, I don't know. I, I could work a little bit. How about you? What was your game? Oh, no, I was all right. Back at you, kind of my single days. Yeah. Like, my dorm room was 106 McMahon. Yeah. And there used to be a show on uh, on TV, like a music countdown show called 106 in Park. And I used to call my dorm room 106 in Marv. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> girls girls come over. We're so sad. We're so sad. It's so it was so pathetic. The two of us, we're just the saddest figures that it's ever been on on any podcast anywhere. And I'm actually a little proud of that. All right. Thanks, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed it again. So Grain will be back next week. If you don't subscribe, subscribe. Darn it. Thanks. Talk to you later.